0: I mentioned already that our series, for those who may be visiting these past two months now, has been called People of the Spirit. And uh, we have been dealing with uh, just a number of different topics in that regard. We also inserted into those weeks uh, our friends Jason Chin and Dan Moeller, who just had some wonderful ministry with us. And uh, this morning I just wanted to take a bit of time to have what you might call more of a kind of a pastoral talk, and just wanted to take some time to boil down just some of the things I feel the Lord's been speaking to us and kind of encapsulate it in the theme that I'm sharing this morning, just as the Lord continues to stir in our hearts, He continues to, to do things in and through our lives, um, without exaggeration, on a weekly basis, we just hear stories from people, sometimes Facebook posts, sometimes through the grapevine, a phone call, of just some wonderful things uh, that God is doing through people as they step out. Uh, my sister actually called me this past week. She's been on a journey herself, and uh, we had a time to get away and, and encourage one another for a few days there last month bit of a brother-sister road trip, and uh, the Lord did some good things, and then she came up for our conference, and she called me last week. She was just driving along the road, and she was so excited she had to call because uh, she said, for the first time, I actually stepped out, and I prayed with a stranger, and that was huge for her. She was driving down the street, and there was a man on one of those uh, trikes, those little motorized trikes there, and I guess he had fallen off somehow. Maybe he got up and stumbled or whatever, but he was just kind of laying there on the sidewalk. She's a nurse by training. And so she ran over, and she uh, helped him, and she kind of assessed the situation, helped him out, and then a couple of men came along, got the man back on the cart, and then when the men left with him, it was okay, uh, she said, do you mind if I pray with you? And he said, sure, I would love that. And so she prayed with him, and, and he so appreciated that went on his way, and she was so stoked that she actually worked through all the nervousness and all the fear and just allowed the Lord to use her to love somebody and uh, just sensed his presence as she was ministering. So we get a whole lot of stories like that. Well, our broader theme for 2018, just by way of reminder, is taken from Isaiah 54 2, in which the Lord said to his people, enlarge your tents or enlarge the place of your dwelling. That's really what we felt in our heart for this year, 2018, that the Lord was calling us to expand our experience in him, our experience, our capacity to contain more of the fullness of the Lord of his work in our lives, of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, of just allowing Jesus to be Jesus through us. And so that's what the Lord said. He said, let the curtains, of course, using just the analogy or the the imagery of of, uh, the nomadic life back in those days, but he says, let the curtains of your habitations, speaking to all the people, let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. And I love what he says, don't hold back. That's just the God we serve. He's not a God of small blessings, small portions, amen. He gives in abundance. He says, don't hold back. He says, stretch out those cords, right? You're getting a tent set up, stretch with those cords. It says, strengthen, nail down those stakes. We've been talking about some things where we're saying, Lord, I want to stretch. I want to stretch beyond my comfort. You know, when you get material like that that use for tents and it gets wet or whatever, you can kind of stretch it. You can kind of enlarge it. But there's also areas in our life where maybe the tent pegs have gotten loosened and things are kind of flopping around a little bit in the wind, and the Holy Spirit wants to draw your attention to some of those things that you've forgotten, like Hebrews 2 and 1 says, it says, listen, be careful that you don't drift away. Hold on much firmer to those things that you've been taught, that you don't take them for granted, you don't drift away, but you're practicing those things. Nail those things down. How many have felt the Holy Spirit talking about areas where he wants to stretch you? Right? Just go ahead and be honest real quick. wants to stretch you, right? Areas where he says, listen, it's been a long time now. I want you to nail this down. Been talking about this for a long time. Now, come on, this is the year to nail this down. Well, those are the kind of things we've been talking about. Uh, Paul said in Romans chapter 8, he said, All who are what? Led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. And how many understand if the Holy Spirit is leading you, if He lives in you and He's leading you, He's going to lead you out of your comfort, Right? Because we're used to operating in the natural senses. We're comfortable in the flesh. He's going to lead you out of your comfort zone, and he's going to lead you into participating in the kingdom. And I love how a, a paraphrased version uh, uh, quotes Paul's words in 1 Corinthians. It says, the kingdom of God, it's not just a lot of talk. The kingdom of God is about living by God's power. That's where the kingdom of God is. You get real quiet all of a sudden. Right? The kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. How many know we can talk well? We can talk the talk, right? We know the lingo. We know how to sound Christian. He says, no, it's not about talk. It's about power. It's about ability that God gives. That's beyond just your own heightened abilities or your own human abilities. Well, in the story we read this morning, which is really kind of the theme I want to focus on today, that we read of in John, Jesus is restoring Peter. If you know the story, Jesus told Peter before he was crucified, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Well, Peter went ahead and did that, even though Peter said adamantly, Lord, I would never deny you, we know that he denied Jesus three times, and the Bible says after he did the third time, that he wept bitterly, he just beat up himself. And so here it is, after the resurrection of Jesus, they're with the disciples, and publicly, Jesus begins to restore Peter. And so he says, Peter, do you love me one more time? Peter says, Lord, you know I do. And then Jesus proceeds to tell him exactly how he's going to die. Now, I really believe the reason Jesus told him that is that Jesus isn't like us. Jesus wasn't saying, okay, you, you did one on me. I'm going to tell you how you're going to die. I'm going to get back at you for denying me. That's not what it's about. I really believe what Jesus was saying. was, well, listen, Peter, remember I told you you were going to deny me, even though you didn't believe me, and you ended up denying me, and you beat yourself up over that? Well, just as shortly as I told you that, and it did happen, just as surely I'm telling you now that the day is going to come when they're going to lead you away, you're going to die for me, but you know what, Peter, this time you're going to stand. I want you to know this time, because of what's coming, the Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, and so on, Peter, you're not going to let me down this time. So be encouraged. And again, he does it publicly, I believe, so the disciples can see that Jesus was actually restoring him. Now, Jesus' words to Peter actually provoke a response in Peter. And again, remember, this is before Pentecost. Peter turns to John, and he asks Jesus, Lord, what about him? What's going to happen to him? Now, you know that after Jesus just telling Peter how he was going to die, Peter didn't want to hear Jesus say, Oh, John, don't worry about him. He's going to live to a ripe old age and die in his sleep. Peter didn't want to hear that. What did he want to hear? He wanted to hear whatever's going to happen to me, it better happen to him. Right? It's not fair if it doesn't happen to him. So he wasn't looking for encouraging words. But Jesus has no tolerance for that kind of thinking. And Jesus says, Peter, if I want John to live forever, what is that to you? You follow me. And I believe the message was very simply, Peter, stop comparing yourself to others, or you will never be the person that I see you to be. You'll never be the person that I've gifted you to be. Now, how many understand that comparing comes natural, doesn't it? It comes natural to all of us. And sometimes it can be helpful. Because if there's somebody that inspires you, if there's something good about somebody, it can actually motivate you to be a better person. That's not a bad thing. But a lot of times our comparing ourselves to others actually works against our good because it usually makes us feel inferior or even discouraged because we're not like that person. That's one of the real problems that we're seeing more and more in the social sciences with social media. They're coming to learn, and they know already that that social media, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, the real downside is that we see all these wonderful pictures, for those who can do it really well, all these pictures and portraits and all the, you know, however you do that kind of stuff. I don't know, what is it about a camera that makes you pucker your lips? But, you know, they all have these beautiful shots. But what happens is it really can create an inferiority in a lot of us. Why? Because we look at those pictures and we compare our ordinary kind of behind-the-scene lives with these highlight reels from everybody else's life, right? And we feel like, man, they've really got it on the go. They've got their life together. Their life is so exciting, and mine seems so boring by comparison. And I really believe that when it comes to my life and my ministry as a follower of Jesus Christ, the comparison is a trap. We know that the cliche, the comparison trap. Because if I believe the lie that I am not as important as the next person, or I'm not as gifted as another person in the body of Christ, then what happens is is I end up living my Christian life secretly resenting God and believing that he can't expect very much from me because he has not invested very much in me. And I don't care who you are. We all wrestle with those thoughts. When I compare, I believe at the bottom of my heart, the reason is because I think that God somehow cheated me. The day that God created me, he wasn't in a very generous mood. Or maybe all the gifts ran out. But what comparison does, friends, it may be very subtle, but here's the live comparison. Comparison convinces you, whether you verbalize it or not, that God somehow loves you less than he loves the other person who seems to be so gifted or so useful for God. But remember this. I believe you'll never experience true joy. You'll never experience true freedom or fruitfulness in your relationship with Jesus Christ until you come to the place where you can honestly thank him for who you are and for what you are and for where you are. Whatever you came from, whatever you've been through, to understand, even though God may not have created it, God knew in advance it was going to happen, even if it was because of your own sin or somebody else's sin, and God is a miracle-working God who can redeem even the worst things in our lives to uniquely gift us and equip us to touch people that nobody else could touch. That's the heart of God for us. The surest way to fail, I believe, the surest way to live a frustrated, unfulfilled life is to try to be somebody that you were never made to be. Jesus wants you to know that, that just as in the human family, You were were made differently than your brothers and sisters, and for a reason. A psalm says this, that God made you in an amazing and wonderful way. David said, Lord, what you have done is wonderful. I know this very well. And you need to know that God does not expect you to be like anybody else. And I'll tell you another thing. He's not impressed when you try to be. He's not impressed when you come before him and kind of say, Lord, now I'm just like so-and-so. He doesn't care about that. Jack had just turned 60 years of age. Walked past his mirror one day, didn't like what he saw. And so he decided as a birthday gift to himself, he was going to do something about it. And so he saw the Sonobello commercial. Anybody see that on TV? Sonobello liposuction. He saw this man who wasn't too attractive, and in the after picture, wow, he looked wonderful. I want to be like him. So he scheduled an appointment, got liposuction, dropped 50 pounds right away. Saw another commercial a couple days later from the Hair Club. Went down, got the transplants done, got a brand new head of hair. Then he went to the LASIK Eye Center and decided to get rid of his glasses. Now he looked 10 years younger again. And then for the final touch, he got some Botox injections, a manicure, and a brand new wardrobe. Jack was a brand new man. Jack was so excited. He left that clothing store with bags and hands, skipping down the street. He crossed over to the other side, hit by a truck. True story. Jack is lying in the ditch, dying, looking up into the sky, and he's crying, God, why? Why me? Why now? And a voice comes from heaven and says, Jack, I'm so sorry. I didn't recognize you. (laughs) Friends, let's be honest. The devil gets us to waste so much time either being unhappy with the way that God made us or wishing we were more like somebody else. And I say this with a straight face. But the moment I believe that lie, I rob God, I rob his kingdom, and I rob people around me of what is the unique gift of me. Just be me. being the best me that I can be with Jesus living in me. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, the Spirit's presence, he lives within us, right? All of us who know Jesus. The Spirit's presence is shown, so it's demonstrated, it's obvious, in some way, in each person, for the good of all. That's God's plan for you and me, to show his presence through us in some way that he decides is best, different times, different occasions, in each person, for the good of all. Listen, the fact that I may not be like somebody else in the body of Christ, It does not excuse me from being a ministering person. It does not excuse me from showing Jesus through my life in some way that's beyond just my own abilities. If the spirit of Jesus lives in me, I have been gifted, Paul says, to show in some way his presence through my life. And that begins when, with the Holy Spirit's help, I begin to step out of my comfort and begin to obey his prompting. I said this a couple weeks ago. But I believe that all ministry happens where simply there are people who will just do what Jesus says to do. That's all it is. That's all the Lord is asking of any of us. People who see a need and they act on it. It is the Holy Spirit in you who looks for opportunities. I believe that with all my heart. The Holy Spirit lives in me. You know what he's doing all day as I'm walking through my day? He's just looking. He's looking around for chances. Looking around for opportunities to show Jesus to people around. Do you believe that? If the Holy Spirit is passionately in love with Jesus, if he is absolutely convinced that every person around me needs Jesus, and yet he has the wisdom to know when and how to approach them, he is scanning everywhere through me. And that is why it's not a coincidence that through the day you will feel prompting. You will feel, oh, I should. Oh, I, I wonder. Or maybe I, uh, uh, right? We all experience that. That is the Holy Spirit prompting you, wanting to get out of you, you might say, in order to touch people around you. I think it's safe to say that the ministries we mentioned earlier of Jason Chin, you saw his picture, Dan Moeller, for those around, they inspired all of us. But you know what really inspired me on those weekends? I so appreciated how unique their ministries were to them. Not that I couldn't in some way emulate maybe some aspects, but I was so appreciated that Jason wasn't like Dan. That Dan wasn't Jason. I appreciated the fact that it reminded me, as the Lord moved so uh, ministered so wonderfully through these brothers, it reminded me that not only are they unique, it reminded me that I'm unique too. I came from the weekend just being encouraged, remembering that the same Jesus lives in me. The same Jesus wants to love through me. But he wants to do it in a way that is unique to what he's doing it in my life, where I am. And he wants me, of course, to grow. I found that very refreshing. And it should encourage you as well to remember how unique you are as we just allowed Jesus to uniquely flow through us. That's what Peter meant, I believe, when he said, listen, when all of you really get this, when all of you really understand that Jesus lives in you, but that he shows himself through you at different times in different ways, if you're open to that, then together we reveal the multifaceted grace of God. That's what happens. We just see the many, many sparkles and, and angles and different parts of, of God's personality that sparkle through all of us in different ways. Pastor Ben and I were talking about this the other day, and I thought he made a good point. He mentioned, just think how impoverished the art world would be today if every great painter who lived down the last few centuries was so inspired by somebody like a Rembrandt that they decided, I'm going to be another Rembrandt. I'm going to paint like him, I'm going to dress like him, I'm just going to, I'm going to try to copy the master, I'm going to be another Rembrandt. Well, if that was the case, you would never have any Monets, no Renoirs, no Picassos, no Van Goghs. You wouldn't have had any of these great painters because they all would have thought, if I really want to be a great painter, i got to be like this person that I, that I so admire. Rather than letting that person inspire them, for themselves to be who they are and for their uniqueness to flow through their art. And today we have masterpieces all around the world. I'm inspired every week by the ministries of stories, that I, or the stories rather that I hear just coming out of this congregation of Jesus touching people through you. And I really want to encourage you this morning, friends, don't settle for a copy. Don't try to be like somebody else. Be an original. Be an original. Be the gift that God has made you to be for the good of others. And please understand this. My success is not your failure. Your success is not my failure. That's the flesh. That's unbelief. That's selfishness. That's pride. I ought to be able to rejoice in whatever ministry I see flowing through you. And if God has placed you in a place of leadership, I ought to be able to come under that and serve the Lord as I'm serving under that leadership. I believe that with all my heart. But you see, when I begin to compare myself, I can't celebrate with you because I've somehow convinced myself that your goodness makes me somehow bad. Your ministry somehow makes me less of a ministry in person. You know what I'm saying? That, you know, if I I show support to you, then somehow I'm hollering that I don't have what you have. I don't have to have what you have. I don't have to be who you are. I don't have to talk like you, dress like you, work like you, minister like you. I don't have to do any of that. I just have to allow Jesus to flow through who I am. Because he needs me to be who I am because there's people in my circles that will never be in your circles and vice versa. He knows where I am. He knows what I am. He knows what he's gifted me to do. All he's looking for is a heart. That's the unifying factor is that we all have a heart for Jesus to live through us. We all have a heart to touch people for Jesus Christ. We all have a heart to step out and to obey the prompting of the Holy Spirit and just to do what he asks us to do and to leave the results with him. God's word says in Hebrews 10, let us think about how to stir up one another to love and good works. That ought to be our objective, not comparing, but encouraging one another with stories, with with testimonies of what God does through ordinary people who just obey him. Now, not only should we not compare our gifts to someone else's, we should not compare one gift to the other either. Paul says that God's gifts are given to each of us so we can help others at different times and in different situations. I really believe I was thinking this week. If the Holy Spirit lives in me, doesn't it stand a reason that he can flow through me as he needs to? And if each gift comes from the Holy Spirit, is not each gift equally supernatural? Now think about that. Is it not? If it's not just me doing, if I'm obeying the prompting of the Holy Spirit, it's him who's doing it, is not every gift equally from him, as the Scripture says? Every gift equally spiritual, equally supernatural? If I can paraphrase what Paul says in verse 8 to 11, he says, on one occasion, he gives you a message full of wisdom. On another, a word of knowledge for somebody. He may also give you faith beyond the ordinary, or the ability to administer healing." or some other miracle, or the ability to discern whether a particular spiritual activity is from God or not. And then there's the ability to prophesy, or to speak a message from God in tongues, or to interpret what is said. What's Paul saying? He says, it's the same spirit flowing through each of us in each of these gifts, which means that one gift is not more spiritual than another. Here's where we get mixed up, I think. We look at one gift being more spectacular than another, Right? Because let's admit it, we're human, and there's just certain things that are real cool to see, right? Wouldn't it be cool if? And so it may be more spectacular to us, but in God's eyes it's not, and neither is it more spiritual. Friends, I don't believe for a moment that God is more impressed with one gift flowing through you than he is with another. And he's not impressed that you're impressed, right? He's not impressed that you're impressed. So get over yourself. Yeah, really. And just be impressed with the fact that Jesus lets you get in on touching people with his love and with his power. That's what's really cool. That's what's really cool is to sense his love. That's what's really cool is to actually obey him when he prompts you. And again, leave the results with him. But to know that he gave you a chance to be part of something he wanted to do in somebody's life. That is what is exciting. Two weeks ago, I walked into the mall and I saw this young man walking the other way toward the door. And he had crutches, and he had a, a knee that was so obviously swollen and red. He had stitches there. Obviously, he had some kind of surgery. And I felt, Paul, you got to pray with him. I said, no, I'm not praying with him. <laughs> I can't help him. That's, that's too messy. I can help stuff I can't see, but that, that's too obvious. I didn't think that, actually. But who knows what goes in your mind, you know, a thousand thoughts a second. But my, my, my deal with God was this. Okay, Lord, um, listen, I'm just going to get this one thing done. It'll only be two or three minutes, and it wasn't going to be quick. i will just be a couple minutes, and if I can still catch him, I'll pray with him. Right? Because that shows a willingness, but it also gives me an opportunity. Hey, Lord, I tried. Where'd really he go? You know, if you really want me to pray, you would have stuck around. I mean, again, I don't think that way, but who knows? You know. Anyways, so I went and did my thing, and again, I was just two minutes. So I was confident that I would find this guy because he wasn't walking that fast. Okay, and so I get back out the door, and he's not there. And I genuinely, genuinely was disappointed because I did plan to have you know work up the courage. And, okay, we're going to do this. Any case, so I look way down the parking lot. I don't know how he did it, but way down the parking lot. He got way down there. And so I get into my car, and I actually drive up to where he is. He's just about to get into his truck. He's got some empty parking spots around him. And uh, so I just pull up and said, hey, man, listen, uh, sorry to interrupt, but just saw you hobbling there. Just feel bad for you. You know, he did something to your leg. He told me what he did. I said, listen, would you mind if I just pray for you? Would that be okay? And he said, sure, yeah, feel free. So I prayed for him. Nothing happened. I actually asked him how he felt. I said, well, how can I kind of feel a little bit better? But he was kind of wanting to go as well. But he said this. He said, thank you for caring. That was it. That was it. I just told him, hey, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in Heal. I believe He loves you. Can I pray for you? That's all I said. And he said, thank you for caring. And you know what? I went away. And right away, the devil wanted to discourage you and say, hey, nothing happened. No, I just said, Lord, thank you for the courage just to obey you. And just to show somebody you love them today. Had a chance to pray for another man who said he had pain. The pain left. He gave his heart to Christ. That's wonderful. That's a win, too. I went to Dairy Queen. I was standing in line. And this dear elderly lady in front of me, she was standing there waiting as well. She gets to the cash, goes to buy her ice cream. She has a coupon. They can't accept the coupon. It's for another location. I could tell she was disappointed. I put my arm around her. I know she's a stranger, but that's just my personality. I said, my dear, let me buy you an ice cream. So I bought an ice cream for her, found out she was actually buying two for a friend. (laughs) So I knew God wasn't in that, so I missed him on that one. Anyways, bought them the ice cream, had a great talk, gave me a hug, gave them a hug, said, God bless you, whatever I said, a wonderful day. And again, just said, Lord, just thank you. Just a small, simple act, just feeling prompted with the Holy Spirit just to love somebody. A small, simple act of obedience, but only God knows where that little act plays in the larger picture of what he's doing in that person's life. Just a matter of being obedient, and sometimes we're not. Sometimes we miss it. One gift, one act of obedience. One may seem more spectacular than the other, but it's no more supernatural if you are doing what Jesus tells you to do. You see, I'm, I'm I'm not a great theologian but I'm just kind of naive enough to believe that if Jesus lives in me, I somehow suspect he's not going to walk through an entire day or at least through an entire week totally self-focused, right? Getting his stuff done, oblivious to everybody around him, oblivious to needs around him. I somehow think that Jesus walking through the day is looking for opportunities to touch people with the love of God. And if he lives in me, he's going to do the same thing. That's why the Bible says that God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit. And what did he do? He went around doing good and healing those who were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. How many believe God is with you? Right? He's with us. Now, please notice when you look at Jesus' ministry, sometimes there were healings. Sometimes there weren't. Sometimes there were other miracles. Other times he set people free with a simple word of knowledge, like the woman at the well, or just by loving on somebody, like the woman caught in adultery. Every encounter was impactful, and yet each one was simply an act of obedience to the Holy Spirit's prompting. That's all it was. Jesus made it clear time and time and time again: everything I do, I simply do by the Holy Spirit. I don't do myself. Now here's some popping. Is that distracting you? Okay, or should I grab the mic? We okay? Okay here you go again. Ultimately, the problem with comparison, I believe, is that it keeps me focused on myself rather than on Jesus who lives in me. But here's one way to not be distracted by comparison. It's very simple: Be captivated by Jesus. You won't be distracted by comparing yourself to others if you're captivated by Jesus and His purpose for your life each day. Jesus asked Peter, "What is that to you? You follow me." Hear me, friends. Jesus does not ask you to be like anybody else. He asks you to be with him because he knows who you are. He knows your potential. He knows what he can draw out of you if you will walk with him. I want to close with this last story from Acts 19. I was reading it in my my devotion time this past week. In Acts 19, you have this interesting story. The Apostle Paul has been ministering powerfully by the Holy Spirit. Many miracles have taken place. And there were seven brothers. They were all sons of, 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 a, of a chief priest by the name of Sceva. And these seven sons, they had either heard or seen all that God was doing through Paul and through other believers, and, and just so inspired by it, I'm sure, that they decide, we're going to step out too. And we're going to try to do what we see God doing through this man. And so the Bible says they approached one man who was demon-possessed, and they said, verse 13... In the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. And the demons said to them, Paul I know, and Jesus I know, and I believe this is the sanitized version. Who are you? And Luke says, They put such a beating on the brothers that these men ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Now, we can read that story and think, oh, yeah, these are religious guys. for Well, listen, I really believe these young men were sincere. They were sons of a chief priest. They had grown up in church, you might say. They were familiar with the things of God. I believe when they saw what God did and they undeniably knew it was the power of God, I believe in their hearts, they weren't just a matter of showing up. They were people who were saying, hey, we, know, we see needs around us too. We want to be able to help. We want God to do those kind of things Through us. They were inspired by what they witnessed. And they wanted to do the same things for God. But their mistake was trying to copy Paul. Their mistake was stepping out and ministering in the name of, notice, the Jesus. Who Paul knows. Not the Jesus that they knew because they didn't know him. Friends, when I read that, I thought, Lord, we do the same thing. Even though we're Christians, the Holy Spirit lives within us. We can be so genuinely inspired by what we see God doing through the lives and the ministries of others that we are tempted to step out, which is a good thing, but the temptation comes when we try to copy what we see others doing. And if that's as far as it goes, I believe our faith is in the Jesus. Our faith is in a formula or in a ministry style. Our faith is in faith in what we can muster or how we feel. But real faith flows in the person of Jesus, whom we know and we are getting to know, whom we love and in whom we are growing in love with, who we spend time with, who we spend time in his word with, whom we allow his word to, to shape us and to grow us and to teach us who don't just get discouraged because something doesn't go our way, but we understand that we are in a school of prayer. We are in a school of discipline. We are just like Jesus, learning obedience by some of the struggles we go through, some of the disappointments we go through, some of the things that don't work out the way we thought because we realize it's not about us. It's not about whether or not God comes through for me or does what I think he ought to do. It is about me being obedient to the Holy Spirit who lives within me and to step out and whether it is to love, whether it is to help, whether it is to pay for something, whether it is to clothe or to feed or to show kindness or to step out and pray and believe for healing, whatever it may be, I am just a servant. I am just called to step out and do what the Holy Spirit is prompting me to do. And if it goes great, then I praise the Lord because I realize it's nothing inherent in me. It's my obedience to the Lord. It's being a vessel that he can use. And if it doesn't go as I thought planned, I don't give up either. I just simply, as I talk to the Lord, say, Lord, did I miss something? Lord, is there something you wanna show me? Lord, is there something you need to grow in me? I believe there are greater things that God wants to do in the midst of his people through his people in this broken world in which we live i believe there's greater things that god wants to do but he wants his people to walk with him you see we live in a day that is so shallow relationships are so so shallow we boil everything down even our walk with god just to formulas just to clichés somebody says well everybody should be healed i don't believe that we're all going to die sometime But God in his grace may choose to intervene. It may be in a hospital bed. It may be your neighbor. It may be your child. It may be yourself, whatever. If God wants to do that, he can prompt you to do that. If he doesn't, he prompts you to minister grace or minister comfort, whatever it may be. But wherever the Lord is calling you or me to step out of our comfort and to exercise faith to speak a word of knowledge or wisdom, whatever the gift may be, he's saying, listen, I have not saved you and filled you with the Holy Spirit so that you just live in the power of your own abilities or your own heightened abilities. As many, as many, we are the sons of God, right? As many as us who are filled with the Spirit of God, we are sons and daughters of God. And he wants to live his life through us. But he wants to stretch us. He wants us to be willing to obey, or rather, to cultivate a relationship with him, in that we better hear his voice and we actually begin to step out on those things that he's prompting us because he desperately wants to touch lives around us. I've been inspired, as I said, by many of you. Stories we hear week after week who are just stepping out and being Jesus where you are. It's not difficult, it's not complicated. But it does require an understanding that I can't rely on spiritual routines to try to imitate the experiences of others. I have to drill down in my relationship with Jesus. I have to grow in him through time spent with him. I have to allow his word to shape my life. That's the only way I can be more sensitive to what God is doing in the realm of the Spirit and in people's hearts. It's the only way I can have confidence to minister to the need that Jesus brings across my path. You see, ministry is not complicated. Ministry is just taking what Jesus is showing me, taking what Jesus is growing in me, and dispensing that to the one that he wants to touch. And the more you step out, the more you'll see Jesus flow through you, the more you'll learn. Yes, sometimes you'll fail, but you will grow from faith to faith. He just asks you to step out. Let me give you two things to consider, just bullet points. When comparing, remember this. Number one, nobody gets the whole package. Remember that. Nobody gets the whole package. Wherever we are gifted in one area, I promise you, we are equally ungifted in another area. You stick around somebody you really admire who's ministering out there in gifts, you stick around for a while, and you'll see things you don't like about them. You'll see things the way they do some things, whatever. You'll just realize we don't have the whole package. And you know why? Because Jesus wants us to understand how desperately we need each other and how powerful the body is when there's love, when there's unity, when it's all about just being who Jesus wants it to be and the manifold grace of God is revealed through hundreds of people. And the second point to consider is don't confuse influence with impact. You know, sometimes we look at people who are in the limelight, and we think, oh, they, you know, no, no. They may have more influence in the sense that, you know, they can speak to more people, address more people. But I'll tell you this. They do not have the impact that you have in the circle in which you live. You have the impact. And that's what the Lord wants to do in lives around you. Some of you here this morning think that you're too ordinary for God to use. But I'll tell you what. He builds the kingdom through ordinary people who simply love Jesus. That's all he does, wherever you go. Let me give you a quick cure for comparison, number one. Decide today that you're going to stop the comparison cycle. Don't waste another minute trying to be like somebody else. Number two, be inspired by others, but do not imitate them. Only if they imitate Jesus. But be yourself. Imitate Jesus Christ. And you know what? When you do that, you will inspire others. You know what inspires me about people that I see ministering in the kingdom of God? It's not the ability that they have. It's me knowing there's nothing special about them and God uses them. That's what inspires me. I mean, if you've got all the slickness and all the style and all that kind of stuff, I'm not that impressed because probably a lot of it's just done in the flesh through human persuasion. I'm just absolutely amazed how God, as he says in his word, chooses those who are not strong, who are not polished, who don't seem that wise in man's eyes, and he impacts, uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, lives through them. Why? Because that way, Jesus gets all the glory. And finally, celebrate what God is doing in others. Remember, their success does not mean your failure. God will not overlook you. If you drill down, as I'm sure they are doing, in your relationship with Jesus Christ, keep your heart right, and just be ready to be called upon when the Lord wants to use you. Now, if you're going to compare... I give you permission to compare one thing. Compare your yesterday with today. That's it. Because it's not about perfection. It's about progress. That's what it's all about. Enlarge your tent, right? Let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. The Lord is looking for progress. Paul says, I run the race, reaching out, stretching out. Why? To win the race for which Christ has called me. I'm not looking to my left. I'm not looking to my right. I'm not concerned where anybody else is. My eyes are on Jesus Christ, the one who has called me, the one who has gifted me, the one who prompts me, and the one before whom I will stand one day as a steward of all that is given to me. Get your eyes off of everybody else if there's one thing we share, if there's one way we can encourage each other, is if we say, you know what, I can tell you this, though God may use us differently, I got stretch marks just like you do. I'm not comfortable just like you aren't. I want to see the Lord use me more. I want to be more committed to Christ. I want to know him better. I want him to give him more of my life. I want him to peel more away. I want the junk out of my life. Those are the things we share in common. We rejoice in together. And then we celebrate as we stand back and see, wow, Lord, you use us all in different ways. So many different stories, so many different lives that you're, te- that you're touching. So here's your homework for this week. Number one, jot this down or get your spouse to. It's really easy, only two things. Number one, discern your gift. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, the very beginning there, he says, listen, you need to start desiring the best gifts. You need to understand that by the Holy Spirit, there's a dynamic in your life that's beyond your own ability that God wants you to begin to walk in. He wants you to step out. He wants to use spiritual gifts through your life. So desire the best gifts. You say, well, I don't know exactly what that is. Ask the Holy Spirit. Ask your wife, your husband. Just say, hey, listen, you know how I'm wired. What do you think of some gifts maybe God has given to me? Ask the Lord. Listen in prayer. See what the Holy Spirit brings to your mind. So discern your gift or begin to at least desire your gifts. And number two, step out. I want to encourage you this week to step out. The Spirit's presence is shown in some way in each person. I want to encourage you. Post it on Facebook. Go on our Facebook page and just say, hey, here's where I stepped out this week. The Holy Spirit prompted me, and I went next door and said hello to my neighbor. Holy Spirit prompted me, I baked somebody some cookies. Holy Spirit prompted me, and I actually prayed with somebody who was discouraged, prayed with somebody who was sick. The Holy Spirit prompted me, and I actually shared with them something. I felt the Holy Spirit put in my heart for them. Whatever it may be, friends, you'll be excited. You'll pull over to the side of the road and say, I can't believe God used me. That's all it's about. But don't compare. Amen? Don't compare yourself to one another. Get free of that. That's a trap of the enemy. Don't compare. Jesus Christ has made you completely and uniquely you. And he wants you to be amazed by how he can use somebody like you who just focuses on him and wants to be like him and be available to him. Will you bow your hearts? I don't think we need the worship team. You guys feel free to sit back yourselves. Let's just bow our hearts, close our eyes. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning as we conclude our time together that by your Holy Spirit at this moment and even through the course of this day that you would stir our hearts, stir our hearts, O God, just to be free to love you and to enjoy you and to be who you've made us to be. Just to be free, O Lord, to start stepping out in things that you're laying upon our heart and to see you touch lives through us in a variety of ways. I thank you, Lord, that you live within us. I thank you that you have given each of us gifts. And I pray, Lord, for courage this morning to begin to step out of just an ordinary Christian life, oh Lord, of powerlessness, and begin to move into the joy of, Lord, just announcing your kingdom wherever we go and allowing you to touch and to love, love lives through us. In Jesus' name.